We are on the eve of the Tour de France, which is a fantastic sporting event, and we're very lucky to be joined very, very shortly by Julian Dean, who rode in a number of them, lead-out man, and I've always said that uh, I think he's the best Grand Tour cyclist New Zealand's ever produced. Uh, Retired from cycling, he's done a stint in management of teams as well. So before we catch up with Jules, uh, I just take... Take you back to when he was the lead-out man for Torhoshoft in the Tour de France. Still, Robbie McEwen is not going to. I can see Robbie Hunter trying to get through, but they're still not going to make a big spin. And Julian Dean's on the front now. Dean has found his man, Torhoshoft. Dean, the champion of New Zealand. Hunter coming on Dean's wheel. Hushoft opens the sprint in the centre now. Where Foster trying to get through on the right here. As now Torhoshoft hits the line at last. Well, Torhoshoft was perfectly set up for that win there by Julian Dean. I just saw the black and white jersey. The Kiwi national champion was right in the right place. He sacrificed himself completely. You need a sprinter to lead out a sprinter, and Big Tor has not been superb over these last couple of days, but at the end of the day, when you're set up like that by Julian Dean, you have to say thanks very much, mate, and you have to finish it off. Well, it is my favourite sporting event. I've said that a number of times. I watch every single minute of the Tour de France, and that little clip you heard just then was our very own Julian Dean leading out Tor Hushovd as he did so many times uh, in the Tour de France. But he's ridden in seven Tour de France's, five Giro's, uh, three Vuelta Espanas, six top ten finishes in the Tour de France, including a team time trial win in 2011. Julian Dean, this time of year... It's your time of year, but not as a competitor, but I bet you're interested in this year's uh, Tour de France. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely going to be an exciting Tour de France. I mean, Tour de France is always exciting, and um, you know, this year is going to be no different, particularly with the interesting course the organisers have laid out this year. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, like even stage one, it's go- it's going to take them about five hours, and there's hill climbs stage one, no friendly start. No, I mean, I think, you know, if, if you sort of just stand back and, and look at the, at the Tour de France course this year, um, you know, it's, a, it's very, you know, there's not one day really when people are going to be able to relax. And obviously starting down in the Basque country there uh, in Spain, the Basques are mad for the sport. Um, the first time Tour de France has ever started down there. So that's going to be uh, a huge event for that, for that region and those aficionados of cycling. Uh, but that's a tough region to be starting the Tour de France and lots of up and down, um, you know, and it's going to be, you know, the, the favourites for the Tour this year, Vindegaard and Podgkar, are going to have to be on their toes uh, from stage one uh, right through to Paris. Now, of course, you were part of it as a competitor, but then in, um, once you'd retired, you became part, you know, a, a team director and a strategizer and all that sort of thing. Um, what did you learn as uh, from following in the car, uh, that you didn't quite understand when you were just bashing it out on the bike. Yeah, I think really, you know, one of the biggest differences when when you roll roll over to management is, um, you know, you don't understand um, the the time and energy that goes into preparing uh, an event like the Tour de France. You, know, you often think as an athlete, you just sort of, uh, you know, you're oblivious to what's been put in, in place from uh, all the staff and every team uh, leading into uh, any big event. And, and that's the way it should be as an athlete, because as an athlete, you know, you've got to just concentrate on on your race. But, you know, you can guarantee that, that every team 
uh, in these months leading up to the Tour de France has sent someone out to drive every metre of every stage already, taking notes and um, loading it into their um, their car-based apps and, and having all that information at hand is, is just one of the you know, extreme things that, that sort of happens uh, in the sport these days. And, you know, we've often been able to see some of that now uh, with some of these, this Netflix documentary that many people have been uh, been watching this last few weeks. Yeah, I managed to do the whole season in two nights. I was just transfixed by it. And, and I think my take out of it, Jules, was the athletes absolutely bury themselves physically, but the support crew bury themselves mentally, like geeing them up, picking them up when they have a crash. And the stress that goes on in those team cars when they want their guys to go or they're falling off the back up a mountain, it's, gosh, it's an emotional um, event. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's really, really, very demanding. And you know, I always remember when when I was riding the Tour de France. Um, you know, you'd get home, we'd get back to our apartment in Spain, and in August. And obviously, you know, you're you're, you're physically exhausted, and uh, because you know you put every everything out uh, out on the road. Um, but you know, even when I was working in management and we'd work, I remember, specifically remember the first Tour de France I did as a as sport director. And I came home, and and my wife was like, "Oh, goodness, you're uh, you know you're almost more tired than when you were a rider." <laughs> and uh, and it's just you know it's just that transfer of energy. You know, when you're a when you're in the management or sport director, you know you're giving energy uh, all the time to the athletes. You know, to try and boost them up, to try and keep them going. You know, you're trying to keep the mechanics on their game, the swan years on their game. You know, you're just constantly putting out energy, keep everyone in line, keep them up, and keep them working hard and. You know, it's just uh, as an athlete, you're probably taking more energy, but in the team environment, on um, that management side, you're, you're definitely giving it, and it can be equally as exhausting. And I guess as management, it's about um, managing the information you give the cyclists because they're going to be under stress pretty early on every single stage, but they can only look one stage at a time, I guess. But management-wise, is there conscious, like, okay, stage five, that's going to be our recovery day. We all have to finish. We don't want people to get away. And every single team's got a different mission for every single stage and you're second guessing and, and all of that. That that must be a huge challenge as well. Yeah, I think, you know, the, 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 you know, the tactics have to be reviewed every day. Obviously, you go in with a, you know, a bit of a strategy um, depending on the strength of your team and, and your specific riders that you've got. If we look at this year's tour, Vindegaard and Podskara, sort of head and shoulders above everyone else in terms of being able to wear that uh, yellow jersey uh, on the roads into Paris there at the end of the event. But, you know, one particularly interesting thing around this year's Tour de France is, you know, there's lots of hilly stages. And when I mean hilly, I don't mean like the big mountains that we've had uh, that we're used to in the Pyrenees and the Alps, but lots of these intermediate stages in the Mass of Central and in Jura uh, as we head across towards the Alps there um, as a second lot of mountains. And those stages are really, really hard. The, uh, you know, the, they can often be very, very hot stages. And you, know, you can get big groups going up the road early on, those sort of um, medium mountains. You know, and the wrong person gets in those groups, a, a, a Bardet or someone like that, or a, um, a Martinez or a Carapaz, one of those guys, and they go up the road, you know, they can easily take three or four minutes on some of those favourites of Jumbo, Visma and, and UAE. So, you know, it's going to be stressful. The racing's going to be awesome because, uh, you know, those media mountain stages, no one can let anything go. 
I'm really um, having watched that Tour de France uh, doco on Netflix. A um, couple of riders, Tom Pidcock and Walt Van Art, both with mountain biking backgrounds, and I think Cadell Evans had came from that discipline as well. But Walt Van Art is an absolute weapon. He's never going to win the Tour de France, but he can stop someone else winning. He's he's such a lion-hearted rider. Yeah, it's really, really extraordinary. You know, this era of cycling that we're seeing at the moment is just amazing. And for a spectator, you know, you're sitting on the edge of your seat uh, from the first kilometre to the, to the last kilometre. And, you know, even the likes of, of Pidcock and, and when he won the World Championships last year or, or Podska, you know, they just do things that we, you know, we think are nuts at the time, you know, attacking solo 70 kilometres to go. But so often they seem to be able to pull it off and just do these extraordinary things. And Walt Van Aert, uh, Jumbo Visma, you know, is another one. You know, we've seen him win time trials, we've seen him win mountain stages, and we've seen him win, win sprint stages. And he, you know, he tries every time he gets a chance uh, to try and crack something. So, uh, you know, just an extraordinary group of riders. You know, the, and the amazing thing is that, that, that nobody's afraid of anything. They just get out there and do it. It's uh, no holding back. Yeah, and he, someone like him, and I'm picking on him because they did a couple of episodes just on him, and he's he's so selfless. And in these big teams, there's only one they're going to have a crack at GC. Some teams don't even have a crack at the, the yellow jersey. They're about the sprint jersey or the mountain jersey or the junior jersey, and he just does whatever is best for the team. Um, and he... He got uh, he got given a stage, I think, in last year's tour by his team leader because of all the work he'd done. The team leader ch- decided, I'm not going to chase him down. I'm going to let him have a win. And it, I almost teared up watching it. Um, the team unity part uh, and the team unity or the, the team member makeup, how important is that in the selection of your final squad that you take into the Tour de France? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really important. And, you know, I, I sort of, Steer away from you know, you know, culture and all, all these sorts of words that we sort of hear about um, in organisations these days. But you know, you've really got to have guys that want to go to the trenches with you. And you know, remember, we see these guys, um, you know, in this Netflix documentary or in this next three weeks at the Tour de France. But let's remember, they've been racing together all season. Uh, they've been doing you know preparation training camps at, at high altitude in, in Tenerife and Granada in Spain. Um, doing races together. So they are together, you know, for probably more with each other than they are with their families during the season. So, you know, that that camaraderie, that trust, that loyalty, you know, the deeper that goes, the uh, the better the out- outcomes for the team. And, and you know, you're going to get really tested, you know, especially when you get into, you know, stage 14, 15, 16 of the Tour de France. Um, you know, that's, that's when people's true colours start to shine. You see with Walt Van Aert, what a a tr- true gentleman and um, and great teammate he is, as well as someone that can win uh, along the way. There are grand tours, and there's tours in America, there's tours all around the world, but how far out does the preparation for the Tour de France start? And, and is it like other sports that training is harder than the racing? Yeah, I think, you know, I think one thing, you know, you can never replicate uh, in in training for the Tour de France is um, the nervous uh, energy that that you that has to go uh, that goes with uh, the racing every day. You know, once you've finished, um, you know, this year's Tour de France, you know, the planning will already be underway for next year. Mm. Um, 
But, you know, the, the training and the planning that goes into it can, can never simulate what happens on, on race day. You know, one of the stories I often tell is, you know, when you're there uh, in the peloton, in the bunch of the Tour de France, you know, the noise that you've got uh, every metre of that, of that course throughout that whole day is just intense. You know, you've got um, four or five helicopters circling overhead, you've got motorbikes on the road, you've got fans, you've got cars everywhere. And just that noise and intensity can never be replicated in training. And, you know, you've got to be able to learn to deal with that and um, not let that draw all the energy out or distract you from, from the task at hand. Um, you know, so that's why, you know, these, these guys, as they get more experience, they can deal with all those sorts of elements uh, much better because you know, there's no noise. The only noise, that you, the only time you get away from the noise is when you close your hotel room at night. Yeah, and I bet that's a welcome silence by Crikey. Yeah. yeah. So Jonas Fingergaard and Taj Pogaccia, um, they are the head and shoulders. If there was to be an upset, um, I mean, there's mechanicals, there's injuries, there's crashes. I'm not want, wishing that on anyone. Who do you feel like is the next tier or maybe someone we can watch out for to maybe boogle a stage or two on this tour? Uh, for me, Richard Carapa from um, from EF Education First uh, is, is definitely one to watch. You know, he's um, won the Giro d'Italia before. Uh, of he's, he's Ecuadorian and he's he's a real battler, a real fighter. Fighter, and you know he, he won't give up um, until until they get to Paris. He'll look for every opportunity uh, that he can. Um, you know, other ones that we've seen do well, Simon Simon Yates. Is, is also up there as a favourite. Uh, another interesting one who I've seen on the start list is um, Igor Bernal, who's won Tour de France before, obviously coming back from um, a, a major injury that he had last year, um, racing for the Ineos team. But, uh, you know, he's been very, very quiet. No one's been talking about him coming in. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how, how far he is through um, uh, through that uh, recovery process. But I'm also looking forward to seeing our two Kiwis in there as well, Steph, mm. uh, Corbin Strong and Dion Smith this year. Talking to Julian Dean, uh, seven-time Tour de France uh, rider. Um, so I, the last things I wanted to talk to you about, what was the Kiwis? Um, what's their roles? Will they have an opportunity to shine? Is there a mountain stage? Is there a time trial? Is there a sprint stage where they might get their name in lights? Uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, we've really got two Kiwis sort of at opposite ends of the spectrum. We've got Dion Smith, who's, who's ridden Tour de France before. He's been um, riding for um, Bike Exchange up till this year, or, or Lula, as it's now called. Um, and But he's back with his old team. He rode the Tour de France with the Belgium Wanty team. But if we remember a few years ago, he did wear the polka dot jersey for a few days uh, uh, with that team. So, you know, Dion, Dion knows the business. He's, he's been around um, for a lot of years now and is certainly a very, very crafty, handy bike rider and, and knows how, how to get in the mix. Um, he'll probably be, have a, a few more responsibilities um, around Gramey, who he has uh, a teammate there who's um, won stages and grand tours before. So he'll be probably helping him in the lead outs, but Dion will definitely have his own own opportunities if he can get up the road in a break and maybe steal some points for that mountain jersey again. Corbin Strong um, is first Tour de France. Um, uh, strong Southland boy, Corbin is. And, uh, you know, he's uh, someone that we've really got to look to for the future. He's in the um, Chris Froome's. Well, Chris was not obviously not riding this year, but maybe Corbin's taking Chris Froome's place in the in Israel team. 
but they've taken him there. They see a lot of, of great potential in him, and I'm really excited for him, particularly those first stages in the Basque Country there, those first two and a half stages are, are really suited to him, you know, and they can be reduced um, bunch bunches coming to the finish. Corbin's handy in the sprint, and, and who knows, he can definitely is capable if things go right um, of winning a, a, a reduced bunch sprint. Fantastic. Well, can't wait for it, Jules. I'd love to catch up with you there at some stage during the tour. Maybe we can catch up once a week or something and just see what's happened and what's coming, uh, particularly when they yeah. get those mountain stages. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And we haven't even talked about the cab show, have we? No. Um, to to this Tour de France. So there's another one, eh? That's going to be awesome. Yeah. Um, he's uh, going for that all-time Tour de France stage record. So um, I think, you know, if anyone can do it, he can do it, you know. He's, he's set that goal for himself, and he's a, he's a battler as well. And he's a nutter, Mark Cavendish. An absolute I think nutter. that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, he it's it's, it's really interesting psychology, yeah, because I reckon – you know, his psychology is that he said he's going to retire. He knows he's on equal with Eddie Merckx's all-time stage win record at the Tour de France. So he just put himself under so much pressure to get that one more stage to have the record number of Tour de France stage wins. But that's how he operates, you know. Yeah, he's he's done all that on purpose, I reckon. Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. Oh, going to be. I, I, I think he's going to do it because... He's just a nutter, like you said. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Hey, Joel, yeah, awesome to yeah. catch up. We'll do it again soon. Yeah, mate, just let us know whenever hey, I can I can catch up. That's cool. Okay. Um, we'll catch up every Friday. We'll catch up every Friday. We'll try and catch up every Friday. Um, I think one of the best sporting websites for information and engagement is the Tour de France website, uh, which is Le Tour, L-E-L. T-O-U-R. It gives you the topography of every stage. And I mentioned during that chat with Jules, um, that first stage, there's one, two, three, four, four four categorised climbs. I mean, not tough and not arduous, but enough to to break up the pack, the main peloton. 182Ks will take them about five hours, I would imagine. Um, Just straight off the bat, there's quite often some friendly criteriums to start the Tour de France. But it's so engrossing and it is, I think, the best quality sporting production there is on television. Um, and great that we've got um, two Kiwi cyclists. Really looking forward to seeing Corbin Strong making his debut. And as Jules mentioned, just put five bucks on him for the first sort of four stages because he's he's a weapon, man. Like, he's very young. But if he's if he's going to do something, it will be early. He's going to be a domestique, and he'll be there to learn and and um, be a real asset in future for his team. But um, go and have a look at Latour. It's got profiles of every stage, the results, the time differences, everything on all the different riders. Um, I've got a swag of questions while I was talking to Jules there. Um, sorry, I couldn't get to them. Um, where are they? Uh, Staff, my money's on a Pagacha. He's just won his country's road and time trial and he's looking fit and has miles in the legs. Could you ask Greg, uh, Julian, how good is his team? Very good. Um, I spoke to Jules last night actually as well and um, he just, injury or incident aside, he just can't see anyone at uh, Papagacha or 
Vingegaard, just those two absolute freaks. And Steffi, how do you train your legs to do that many miles over and over again? I asked Julian that before, and I said, how do you get back on the bike when you've absolutely broken yourself the day before? And he said, you just have to. And sometimes you'll be starting out, and so he's a sprinter and a lead-out man, Julian, and they're in an alpine stage, which is just uphill forever, six hours in the saddle. And he goes and he said, you've been going about 10 Ks and you just think, I'm not going to finish today. I'm not going to finish today. And then you get a message through your headphone from the team director saying, you know, Johnny Reese or someone's gone off the front, you have to chase him down. So you just put your head down and chase him down. Then you're halfway through the stage and you think, oh, well, I've got to finish today. They seem to have this ability to ignore pain and ignore fatigue and they redline. And when they get spat out the back and they see – you quite often see it. You always see it in the alpine stage. You get someone blown out the back. Their body physically can't. Even as much as your mind want to, your body just can't. And if you've never watched it again, watch the guy, Walt Van Aert. Came from a mountain biking um, background. He is an absolute beast on the bike. Oh, it's fantastic. And the Netflix doco that's out now, um, watch that. Watch that so you can see what goes on behind closed doors.